the God we serve is a supernatural God. And so, Father, we pray now that you would supernaturally open our ears, our hearts, and our minds and help us to pay supernatural attention to what the Spirit has to say to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to Acts chapter 3, and I want to focus attention on verses 6, 7, and 8. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. I want to preach from the subject this morning, the power of his name. Would you say that with me? The power of his name. Power of Jesus' name. Today's scripture text reveals that Peter and John went up to the temple at the ninth hour, which was 3 o'clock p.m., to pray. While en route, they met a man lame from birth that had been laid at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. This gate served as the front door to the temple and was an ideal place for beggars to congregate. It was an ideal place for beggars to congregate for several reasons. First, those going up to the temple to pray could not help but lay their eyes on these needy beggars. Second, the giving of alms to the poor was a respected custom among the Jews. Third, one of the ways uh, worshipers uh, sought to impress one another was by displaying their generosity publicly. In fact, this is the custom Jesus was addressing in Matthew 6 and 1, saying, Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Nevertheless, on this particular day, as Peter and John were about to go into the temple, this lame man saw them and he asked them for arms or he asked them for money. Fixing their eyes on the man, Peter said, look at us. Now to understand Peter's command for the man to look at us, you need to know that begging was very impersonal. Begging was impersonal because beggars were viewed as the least of humanity. Begging was impersonal because beggars were social outcasts and looked down upon by those who were gainfully employed and religiously and socially connected to society. The self-esteem and the self-worth of beggars was minimized or non-existent by the reality of their seemingly hopeless and helpless condition. So when Peter said, look at us, he was in effect crediting dignity to the, to the beggar's account. When Peter said, look at us, he was driving home the point that although 
other people pass you by and although other people look down on you and use you as a means of making themselves look good and feel good by publicly dropping change in your cup and although people pass you by every day without so much as making eye contact with you, we want you to know that you are better than that. Back in the 60s, 60s and 70s, the Beatles had a popular hit song entitled Nowhere Man. That describes how this beggar was viewed. Listen to some of the lyrics of the song. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. So Peter breaks the vicious cycle, severs ties with tradition, shadows an age-old cultural norm, departs with institutional standards, and says to Mr. Nowhere Man, you look at us. Look at us because regardless of your brokenness, in spite of your ailment, irregardless of your lot in life, you are a child of the Most High God, made in his image, created to worship, praise, and serve him. So Peter said, look at us. Give us your undivided attention because we don't want you to miss, misunderstand, misinterpret, or misappropriate what God is about to say to you. So notice verse 5. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. The something he expected to be offered him was silver, gold, you know, money, denario, ducats, bacon, bucks, loot, scratch. You get the picture. The man wanted financial tender from Peter and John. But to his utter dismay and disappointment, the first words from Peter's lips, according to verse 6, were silver and gold I do not have. You see, it was imperative. It was important. It was essential that Peter addressed the man in the way he did because this lame beggar had been living all his life laboring under the false illusion, assessment, appraisal that money was all he needed to get by. His evaluation based upon what he's seen in others, his estimation of what was the ultimate concern of his life, and his evaluation of what made the world go round was predicated upon faulty reasoning and perpetuated the notion that money and stuff should be your ultimate concern in life. So it was when Peter smashed the man's philosophical ideology by saying, what you want we don't have, it made a difference. However, Peter continues in verse 6 saying, but what I do have, I give you. Can I tabernacle here for just a little while and address the word but? The word but is used for multiple purposes. It can serve as a conjunction, a preposition, an adverb, or a noun. 
Peter uses the word but as a conjunction to help nowhere man understand that what he wanted and what he needed were two different things. But stood between nowhere man's disillusionment and nowhere man's hope. But was the bridge in place to help nowhere man cross over from dependent upon silver to dependent upon the Savior. So it was, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. To call upon the name of someone means to call upon the authority, the power, the office, the nature, and the character of the person. The person's name stands for all that the person is. If a king sent out decree, a decree throughout his kingdom, that decree went out under his name and under his authority. To bring it closer home, if a government official, a business leader, office supervisor, a manager sends a memo Throughout his or her department, the memo goes out under his or her name and under his or her authority. While serving in the Air Force, I saw this clear, clearly lived out. Lower-ranking officers would sometimes be granted permission to send out an important memo under the name of a higher-ranking officer because usually the higher the rank, the higher the power and the authority. So when P Peter said to the lame man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, he was proclaiming it is in the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the prerogative of Jesus, the perspective of Jesus, and the purpose of Jesus, that what I'm about to say to you has value and has worth has significance, you can count on it. Now notice the hierarchical arrangement of Peter's instructions to the beggar. First, Peter tells the lame beggar to rise up. Do you see that in the text? He says to him, rise up. I need to let you know that the term rise up was a Greek figure of speech that meant to arise from a state of moral sloth to an active life devoted to God. So when the beggar heard Peter tell him to rise up, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Peter was addressing a deeper need than money. Peter was addressing a deeper need because not only was the man lame in his feet, he was lame in his spirit. So the man was living outside of a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. The same idea is conveyed in Ephesians 5.14 where Paul says, Awake you who sleep. Notice the word, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. So when Peter said, rise up and walk, he's saying to the man spiritually, that you need to be awakened from the dead, Jesus Christ will give you life. And second, now that the beggar is saved by the power of his name, that is the name of Jesus, Peter moves forward telling him in verse 6 to walk. 
Do you see the progression? First of all, Peter deals with the spiritual man, rise up and walk. And secondly, he deals with the physical man, walk. Peter offers to beg a spiritual healing through the power of the name of Jesus. Look at verse 6 again. Peter tells the man to walk. Then in verse 7, Peter took the man by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones, Luke says, received strength. The blood supply was increased to the muscles. The brain sent signals to carry the nerve endings to the ankles and feet. The hardened fluid between the joints was softened, and the atrophied muscles and ligaments gained flexibility. The feet could suddenly bear now the man's weight. Through the power of his name, that is the name of Jesus, the beggar was made whole. That is, he came to know Jesus spiritually, but then he was made well because Jesus healed him. The beggar was made whole. He was complete. He was healed spiritually and he was healed physically. Now notice what he did when he got blessed. Verse 8 says, he started leaping up. That's a term that Isaiah used when he talked about leaping like a, a deer, joyfully and effortlessly. He began leaping up. Leaping means to spring forth. Leaping is another way of saying he was shouting, y'all. He was getting his praise on right outside the temple where he used to lay down. Now he's up shouting, getting his praise on. Not only that, verse 8 says he walked and he entered the temple. Imagine that this man who had been crippled since birth looked down upon all his life, no doubt stepped on, stepped over, stepped around, was now up and dancing in the temple. But not only was he leaping and walking, verse 8 says he was praising God. Don't miss that. Thank you, Jesus, perhaps he said, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Jesus, for lifting me up when I was down. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what the doctors, what the chief priests, the rabbis, the, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees could not do. And verses 9 and 10 concluding, all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew that it was he who had set begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with awe, filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, three things about the power of his name. Imagine the scene. The beggar, known for years for his crippled condition, went into the temple walking and leaping, and with words of praise from God flowing from his lips. There could be no doubt about who he was or what had happened to him. So first, in the name of Jesus, sinners are still being saved. That, that is, salvation still happens. Whereas the lame beggar was a hopeless case. And whereas he had been given up on by those who passed him by on their way to the temple. And whereas he had even given up on himself, and whereas he was viewed as a man doomed by sin, as evidenced by his lameness, and destined to die as a poor, wretched sinner. 
in the midst of his malady, he was radically saved and remarkably transformed by the power of Jesus' name. So it is, whereas God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whereas there is no secret to what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll show enough, can show enough do for you. The lame beggar, what he did for the lame beggar, he can show enough do for you. And whereas Jesus rose from the grave with all power and all authority given unto him, he is still able to save y'all from the guttermost to the uttermost. As one songwriter penned, if he has to reach way down, Jesus can pick you up. Therefore, the church, our church, every church should not be in the business of trying to decide who will or who won't be saved. Our responsibility is to introduce people to Jesus and trust the power of his name to save them. The second in the name of Jesus, miracles are still happening. Now, to be sure, we are living in an age of so-called enlightenment. We are traversing the landscape of skepticism when it comes to the supernatural things of God. And just like in the days of Peter, John, and John, and the lame beggar, people think if a problem cannot be fixed, by human intellect, ingenuity, innovation, insight, or inspiration is doomed to remain as it is. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches that our God, don't miss this, our God is able. Ah, he's able to do exceedingly. He's able to do abundantly. He's able to do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That means we, we are to ask God for healing. That means we can ask God for healing. We can ask God for deliverance. We can ask God to do what the doctors cannot do. Now here's a footnote. Just because God hasn't healed you, or your loved one doesn't mean that he can't do it, or it doesn't mean that he won't do it. What it means is, is that it's our place to ask, but it's God's prerogative to answer how he wants to and when he wants to. And know this, whatever his answer is, we can rest assured that it will work out for his glory and for our good. That's the reason why Paul wrote all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. And third, the power of Jesus' name produces praise. Look once more at verse 8. So he, meaning the former lame man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Listen, like the lame beggar, those who know the power of his name, those who know that couldn't nobody do for you, what the Lord has done for you. Those of you who understand that if it had not
not bend for the Lord on your side, you would not have made it. Those of you who understand that, 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 that the God who has brought you this far by faith. You know, God has brought you this far by faith. You can't help but praise his holy, his righteous, his sacred, his consecrated name. You can't help but lift up the name of Jesus when you realize how good God has been to you, how he's blessed you, how he's brought you out, how he's put you in, how he's lifted you up, how he's made a way out of no way, how he's made your enemies behave, how he kept you when you thought you would lose your mind, how he was a friend when your friends turned their back on you, how he's been a mother when mother is gone, how he's been a father now that father is gone. You can't help but praise him. So y'all praise him. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the psalmist said, let everything, let everything, let everything, let everybody that has breath praise the Lord. Because of the power of his name. He's worthy, y'all. He's able, y'all. He's willing, y'all. There's all power in his name. God has spoken.